I'm going to be brutally honest. I'm terrified to cover this case today. In the best way possible, I'm going to be telling you about a historic killing spree and mass murder that spanned the United States in 2002. What scares me is, I remember hearing about this case when I was a little younger, and I'm from Sacramento, California. Today, you'll be learning about the DC sniper attacks, but it didn't start here. I'm going to need y'all to get comfortable because this is about to be a wild one. I'm Michelle A. Graham. I'm Amanda Washington. Welcome to the point of no return. Before I hop into the crime, or crimes per se, I want to chop it up with you for a second, Mandy. Mm-hmm. Who was the DC sniper to you? Can you describe your first-hand experience to our listeners? You can be as candid as you want. You don't have to go too much into detail about, you know, the crimes. I'll be, mm-hmm. I'll be talking about those, but tell me how you felt around this time. Okay, so it's um, Lee Boyd Malho and Muhammad somebody? Yeah, that was his last name, John. John Muhammad. Okay, John Muhammad. Okay. Um, so I was, at the time, a fifth grader. Prior to this, a year before, we just had the biggest scares of our lives with 9-11. Mm-hmm. So um, for the fifth grade, honestly, around this area, we're traumatizing. <laughs> That's the best way to describe it. Mm-hmm. Um, we was hiding behind cars, walking to school. You didn't want to go to the gas station and get gas. Um, it was just a really scary time because you didn't know at any given moment, any car that could pass by, they could be shooting. And at one point, they didn't even know. I think, uh, I don't know. I don't want to spoil it of where he was shooting from. But at one point, we didn't know where the bullets was coming from. We just knew that it was a sniper. We didn't know if it was off the building and a moving car. What happened? Um, it was definitely a scary time to live um, in the D.C. metro area. Absolutely. And I'm going to detail the crimes, try to describe best how each person was killed, wounded, whatever. But there is, of course, some information that um, I'm going to leave to y'all imagination. Y'all can, y'all can research on your own because there is a lot to bite off in this case. Um, and Amanda, whenever you want to jump in, you can. Okay. All right. So... She just told you what it was like living here around that time. The D.C. snipers actually two people, though, as Amanda just said, John Allen Muhammad and Lee Boyd Malvo. John was 41 and Lee was only 17 at the time of their crimes. With the age difference, you would think the two are related, but they actually have no blood relation. Lee and his mother, Una, met John sometime around 1999 in the Caribbean. Lee and John quickly formed a close friendship. Sometime after they met, Una left the Caribbean to relocate to Florida under false citizenship documentations. When she left, she put Lee in John's care with hopes of reuniting with him in the States later. But John changed those plans. Wait, so that wasn't his stepdaddy? That was not his stepdad, sister, and I know you thought that. This whole time I thought that was his stepdad or something. No, well, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get there. Okay. All right. In March 2001, John converted Lee to Islam and isolated him from Una. Lee later arrived in Miami illegally that year, but by December, he and Una were arrested by Border Patrol. Lee was released on bond and ran away to Washington State to live with John in a homeless shelter. So John also came to the States, but went all the way to Washington State. Mm -hmm. From here, Lee's life began to spiral. John enrolled him in school and told the institution Lee was his son, Lee never made any friends, but instead he picked up a new interest and bad habit. Shooting guns. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't have much else on my my girl Una after this. 
and, wow. and, 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 and to be honest, within a year and a half span, Lee ends up somewhere. So mm-hmm. sometime before his and John's devious plans began, Lee stole an AR-15 from a gun shop and began practicing how to use it. All right, we're going to segue into timeline mode. I'm going to detail the robberies and murders John and Lee carried out between February and October 2002. And it's a lot. So I'm, I'm serious, y'all. Grab yourself a drink. Grab a seat. Because we're about to be here for a hot second. On February 16th, 2002, Lee shoots and kills 21-year-old Kenya Cook in Tacoma, Washington. Kenya was at her aunt and uncle's home at the time of the shooting. Her aunt and uncle were friends of John's ex-wife, Mildred. Lee later told his psychologist that this initial killing was just a test from John. John wanted to see what Lee was about. So he was just sending him out there to kill her. And let's see. Yeah, let's see if you really had it in you to kill her. On March 19th, 2002, John was visiting his sister in Tuscan, Arizona. She lived near a golf course where 60-year-old Jerry Taylor was killed by a single shot to the chest that was fired from a long range. Do these killings have any motives? Like, they're just killing people as target practice? We're going to get to those killings. I mean, we're going we're gonna to get to motives after because when I one of the motives, I literally was like. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. From here, all hell breaks loose. Between March and July, John and Lee kill two people and injure four others. Now, on August 1st, 2002, John Gaeta, who was 51 at the time, was changing his slash tire in Hammond, Louisiana, when Lee shot him in the neck. Lee's the one who slashed his tire, by the way. Now, under what circumstances? I'm not sure. I, I assume John was parked. Lee, wo- mm-hmm. Lee walked up, slashed the tire to distract him, to do what he did, which was shoot him. Anyways, John is a trooper because he pretended to be dead while Lee stole his wallet. So Lee was patting his pockets, and that man pretended to be dead. The bullet that went through his neck exited his back. After Lee robbed him, John fled to a service station where he got help to make it to a hospital. Wow. And he survived. All right. On September 5th, 2002, Paul LaRuffa, a 55-year-old pizzeria owner, was shot six times at close range when he was closing up his restaurant around 10.30 p.m. This happened in Clinton, Maryland. By the grace of God, Paul survived this and his computer was later found in John's car when he was arrested. Six shots, close range, and he survived. All right, from here on, John and Lee kind of create a pattern. They were robbing and killing folks outside of stores, mainly liquor stores, and for some odd reason, craft stores. I'll get to that later. On September 14th, they shot a man outside of Hillendale Beer and Wine in Silver Spring, Maryland, and the next day, a man was shot while closing three Rhodes Liquors in Brandywine, Maryland. They both died. On September 21st, 2002, in Atlanta, around 1215 a.m., 41-year-old Million Waldemarium was shot in the head and back with a pistol. He was helping a store owner close up when the incident happened. 19 hours later, the pair killed 52-year-old Claudine Parker in Montgomery, Alabama. She was a liquor store clerk. What's up with them in the, in the liquor stores? I told you it's a pattern. Liquor stores and craft stores. We haven't really, they haven't really started touching the craft stores yet, but we'll get there. 
They shot Claudine in the chest and killed her while they were robbing the establishment. Her co-worker, Kelly Adams, was wounded during the ordeal. Now, this specific incident is very critical to me. The evidence found at this crime scene is what helped authorities identify Lee and John, as well as tie the crimes to the D.C. sniper. Unfortunately, they don't make this connection until mid-October. So you understand how I said made that connection to the D.C. sniper attacks. We haven't even gotten to what was going on in the Beltway area. Mm -hmm. These are all preliminary killings. On September 23rd, 2002, we're in Baton Rouge, Louisiana now. This is the last preliminary murder before John and Lee reached the DMV area again. Remember, I told y'all they were in Clinton, Maryland. Yeah. What, Prior what is to this. all this back and forth to from Louisiana to Atlanta, Montgomery? Like, and there's honestly, well, I'm, I'm going to leave that for motive. I'm going to leave that for motive because we could go off the rails. Okay. At 6.30 p.m., 45-year-old Hong Ballinger was shot in the head with the rifle. He died instantly. All right, let's breathe for a second, Mandy, because my blood is boiling. I'm reading the story out loud again like I don't know what happens because when they touched Marilyn, I was like, please leave when they got to Clinton. And I, I was like, get out of there. How do you feel? I didn't want the, I, I was like, dang, they're not going to come back. They hit Clinton. Cool. They out of there. I didn't know that it was all of these killings before then. Mm-hmm. Um, so did they piece these killings together to these two men? Prior to the DC sniper, actually, prior to like the DC sniper being a known thing, or was this something after they did all the DC sniper killings, they were caught, then they were like, damn, y'all did these joints that was stringing kind of over the South as well. So you remember I told you in, in Claudine's death, which was September 22nd, mm-hmm. um, that's when they started connecting that these out-of-state out murders, like out-of-the-DMV region murders, excuse me, were linked to the D.C. sniper attacks. But they don't make that connection until mid-October. If you remember the timeline of the killings, by mid-October, they were almost done. Okay. They were apprehended by the third week in October. Gotcha. Okay. So by the time they linked this, that's when they already had the task force, which is how they were able to do it. And you remember, John was a resident of Washington State. So I assume they started there and they started building from there. Gotcha. All right, let's get back to it. Here's the nitty gritty. And Mandy, please, if I get anything wrong, like I said, or if there's anything you want to add as I etch out this timeline, feel free to hop in. Mm-hmm. Okay. On October 2nd, 2002, a stray bullet... Th- a stray bullet flew through a Michael store in the Aspen Hill in Aspen Hill, Maryland at 520 PM. Nobody was killed or wounded, but an hour later, 55 year old James Martin was shot and killed in the parking lot at a shopper's food warehouse. Now, I'm not sure what it was about October 3rd, 2002, but John and Lee decided to really set it off. They killed five people this day. Wow four of which died in the span of two hours. All separate locations, by the way. Here we go. At 7.41 a.m., 39-year-old James Buchanan was shot and killed while mowing the lawn. At 8.21 a.m., 54-year-old Prem Walikar was killed in Aspen Hills, was killed in Aspen Hill while pumping gas into his taxi. Okay. We'll be back at the gas station, you see. At 8.37 a.m., 34-year-old Sarah Ramos was sitting on a bench reading a book when she was gunned down at the Leisure World Shopping Center in Norbeck, Maryland. At 9.58 a.m., 
25-year-old Lori Ann Lewis Rivera was killed while she was vacuuming out her car at a Shell gas station in Kensington, Maryland. Imagine just vacuuming your car and pop. So they was really making their rounds. I'm just thinking of the areas that they were in. They say like lower Montgomery County, Maryland. So mm-hmm. Aspen Hill, Kensington, Norbeck, um, all of that is essentially between Kensington and Silver Spring. Yep. And that's how they were able to do it in two hours. So they did that in, in the early morning hours on October 3rd. And then John and Lee, they took a little break. They took a little 12 hour break after this until around <laughs> 920. <laughs> yeah. Until about 920. They're like, yeah. We're satisfied. Gotta grab some lunch. Right. 9.20 p.m. At this time, they shot and killed 72-year-old Pascal Charlo while he was walking along Georgia Avenue in D.C. Now, if you guys realize, that was, like I said, five killings in one day. But also, Pascal was the first D.C. proper killing. Okay. A full-fledged investigation was launched after this day. Patterns were established, including the fact that each victim was shot with a single bullet from far range. Up until this point, the pair carried out the crimes in D.C. and Maryland. But they decided to take their terrible talents to Virginia. On October 4, 2002, around 2.30 p.m. in Fredericksburg, Virginia, 43-year-old Caroline Sewell was wounded while she was loading bags into her car after shopping at a Michael's store. Mm-hmm. I don't, like I said, I don't know what they was, what was up with them they with craft stores. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, y'all, I love Michaels. So I'm confused. Like that, from that first shot going into the store to this, like, why are y'all back at yeah, Michaels in a different location at that? Okay. John and Lee actually tried to get tricky after this. They began taking two to three days between each attack. I guess they consider this breathing room. I don't know, y'all. But on October 7th, at around 8.09 a.m., the snipers wounded their first child. 13-year-old Iran Brown was shot in the chest in Bowie, Maryland. He was wounded when he arrived to school that day. He survived, and at the crime scene, police actually recovered an interesting piece of evidence. I don't know if you've ever heard this, but they recovered a tarot card. Not just any card, though. The death card, which was inscribed with Call Me God on it. Oh, no. So they try to leave. Um, they started to leave clues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And their mark, honestly, as serial killers. Yeah. The card was targeted at authorities and instructed police not to share the clue with the press for some reason. But we see what happened there, because if we know about it, <laughs> so does the news. But also, this is the only time they leave a tarot card. So I don't know what specifically was the point of leaving this clue because it also didn't lead, it, it, didn't, it wasn't a clear signature to me. All right. On October 9th, 2002, 53-year-old Dean Myers was killed while pumping gas at a Sunoco near Manassas, Virginia. On October 11th, 53-year-old Kenneth Bridges was shot dead while pumping gas at an Exxon near Fredericksburg, Virginia. On October 14th, the snipers killed 47-year-old Linda Franklin in a Home Depot parking lot in Fairfax County, Virginia. Now this, they fucked up with this one because she was an FBI intelligence analyst. Side note, authorities received a bogus lead from a customer on the scene that day. His name was Matthew Dowdy. 
He claimed to know details about the shooting, but he actually was lying and was, and was inside of the store at the time of Linda's death. He was later convicted of interfering with the investigation. As now, he should have. Because what, sir? Yep. And I, I thought about leaving this out, but I decided to share this with y'all because talk about clout and how much power media has. This man was seeing in, I mean, living in the time of this sniper and he wanted to be a part of it so bad that he made up lies about, yeah, I seen this, this, and this, that, and the third. And in reality, his ass was inside a Home Depot picking out some nails. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, what are you doing? You, you, you actually should be thanking God you was in there. Yeah, because it could have been you. It could have been you. All right. John and Lee took a five-day break after this. And when they did, gas stations began putting up tarps to shield customers. And some customers even began going to pump their gas at a nearby naval base in Bethesda, Maryland. Now, I... There are many news reports about this this tarp this situation. situation. Do you remember seeing that at all? No. I also would love to know, what the fuck did y'all think a tarp was about to do to a rifle? Yeah, like it's going to blow right through the tarp. It's going to blow but right I'm through the... And now I, can't, now I can't... Now I can't... Now I can't... Well, Target. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing they're thinking Target, but honestly... If I'm John and Lee and I see that, I'm going to just ra-ta-ta-ta. Mm-hmm. Spray the whole thing. They weren't targeting. I mean, they were targeting people, but they weren't targeting specific people. They just wanted yeah. to shoot somebody. Nah, I don't remember that. I, at that time, my parents didn't have us going anywhere extra. It was school, home. That's it. Were you walking to school? In so home? at first we used to walk to school. Mm-hmm. And then I remember my dad having to leave work early every single day. So he could pick us up from like the front door of the school. I just got chills. And take us home. Mind you, my elementary school is a five minute walk from my house. Like, yeah. Pops wasn't having that. He was not having that. Yeah. It was, it was, it was a really scary time. So at first we were walking, but we was like, oh, 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 we got to yeah. hide. And then after about a week or so, he was like, nah, I'm going to just pick y'all up every day. Yeah. Wow. All right. On October 19th, 2002. 37-year-old Jeffrey Hopper was shot in the Ponderosa Steakhouse parking lot in Ashland, Virginia. He survived his injuries. Around this same time, investigators found a four-page letter from John and Lee in the woods that was demanding $10 million, $10 million or they'd start sniping children. They were really on the move. I'm like, the Ponderosa <laughs> is near King's Dominion. Yeah. King's Dominion well, is almost two hours away from D.C. And they took a five hour, they took a five day break. <laughs> OK, but here's a line from the letter. Your children are not safe anywhere at any time. <sighs> I'm so happy it didn't go that far. I'm going to I'm going to confirm with y'all now. Iran was the only child that John and Lee actually shot and he survived. And honestly, it couldn't go further. Because John and Lee were arrested soon after this, but not before claiming the life of one more victim. Mm-hmm. On October 22, 2002, 35-year-old Conrad Johnson was shot at 5:56 a.m. He was a bus driver, and he was standing on the steps of his he was standing on the steps of his vehicle in Aspen Hill when he was gunned down. So they came back down. They came back this way. Mm-hmm. But y'all. It's judgment day. I, I couldn't wait to get to this part of the story because I'm like, John and Lee, I'm sick of it. I'm fucking yeah, tired. Y'all need, get, y'all need to get caught. Y'all need to get caught. All right. 
So much happens the next day, y'all, the day after they kill Conrad. So on October 23rd, police found a tree stump in a yard in Tacoma, Washington. This stump was believed to have been used for target practice. Remember I told you mm-hmm. before this all started, Lee stole an AR-15 and he was having, you know, target practice. Yeah. Ballistics also confirmed that Conrad was the 10th murder victim in the D.C. sniper attacks. Authorities also were able to identify John, and they began circulating a photo of him to different task force in the area. They were able to link John to a Chevrolet Caprice. This is the vehicle that John and Lee rode in to carry out all of their crimes, so from Washington all the way to the DMV. Okay. On October 24th, 2002, someone spotted John and Lee sleeping in a Chevrolet Caprice at a rest stop in Myersville, Maryland. The pair are arrested around 3.30 a.m. that day. Initially, authorities arrest John on a weapons charge, and Lee is held as a material witness in juvenile in Baltimore. Right off the bat, authorities automatically assume that John was a shooter, but little did they know that was not the case. So before we hop into the investigation trial and chitter-chatter and things, um, how you feel? What you think? <laughs> the one memory, honestly, that's coming back to me right now is seeing them for the first time and my parents, family, anybody that I can think of at the time, when we saw who the snipers were, it was, oh, they're black. Mm-hmm. We just knew these were some white <laughs> men. We knew it. That's not funny. It's really not funny. <laughs> it's God, not. please forgive me. But, but yeah, these sound like the activities of... These are the activities of crazy white men mm-hmm. until we saw some crazy black men. Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, so far in one of those episodes we were talking about, nah... These black people be out here serial killing too. Mm-hmm. But that was just one of the first thoughts that we thought we were like, they're black. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know what was happening with like the association, excuse me, in the in the early 2000s with being like a radical Muslim mm-hmm. and like just like Islamic. And of course, you know, I already know people were like deathly afraid of, of, um, of Muslim and Islamic people. Mm-hmm. Any, anybody that didn't look white at the time, people were just afraid of. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, we all know is a little ridiculous in a sense um, because not everybody that comes from that community is like this. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it was just very interesting to see, like, that be, you know, the radicalness of that particular time um, during that, you know, early 2000s phase. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, so we're going to get into the investigation. Things move rather quickly at this point because authorities know what the deal is. And me and Amanda are going to chop it up some more towards the end. I just think I'm trying to get to the motives part so we can do that. Okay. But I think it's important for y'all to know how this unfolds first. All right, on October 25th, Montgomery County, Maryland prosecutors announced that John and Lee will be charged with six first-degree murder charges. They were also seeking the death penalty for John. And I just picked out, y'all, y'all have to realize, <laughs> these motherfuckers was in court for a long time. So I picked yeah. out some important details, okay? By October 29th, Virginia prosecutors also announced capital murder charges against John and Lee. John and Lee are in different court proceedings over the next three years and are found guilty in various crimes. Here are the specifics of a few of them. A Virginia Beach jury sentenced John to death for the murder of Dean Myers, Lee's case was moved to Chesapeake, Virginia at this time. So the Dean Myers death, for some reason, that one of all is what nailed 
John to the cross. Mm-hmm. Is this the one at the Ponderosa? Mm-mm. So to jog out memory, Dean Myers was the um, person that they killed on October 9th. He was a 53-year-old who was pumping his gas out of Sunoco, Sunoco in Manassas, Virginia. Okay. All right. A judge in Fairfax County, Virginia, ruled that Lee would be tried as an adult in the death of Linda, the FBI employee. <laughs> of course. Right. Really, this is the death that nails Lee to the cross because he was found guilty of capital murder, terrorism, and the use of a firearm in Linda's death. He was sentenced to life in prison without parole. As part of one of his plea deals, Lee actually testified against John in 2006 in John's trial in Montgomery County, Maryland. Lee also confessed to committing the six shootings in the county, which earned, earned him another life sentence without parole. Well, earned him six life sentences, excuse me. On November 10th, 2009, John is executed by lethal injection at the Greensville Correction Center in Jarrett, Virginia. He was 48 years old at the time of his death. But y'all, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop here for a second before we get into motives because Lee was the one with his finger on the trigger. Mm-hmm. There wasn't evidence that John had ever shot anybody. Apparently, Lee is the one who was who was killing. Do you remember any news about that around that time? Yeah, but the thing that I also remember, because they were basically saying like that Lee was like in the trunk, like shooting people out of like the keyhole yeah. of the trunk, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess because he was the adult in this situation, and so they're probably also like the like you know the prosecution is probably kicking it like they brainwashed him. Mm-hmm. He was brainwashed. He's a he's a master manipulator. And he's an accessory to the crime, too, because he was driving this man around. I agree. So why were they? I'm not defending John. Yeah. I'm just saying, technically, why wasn't he charged with being an accomplice to murder? He's not the one who shot anybody, regardless if he convinced him or not. Unfortunately. What were his exact charges? Murder? Mm Mm-hmm. And he was sentenced to death. Capital murder. Let's look up what the definition specifically is of capital murder. Okay. Okay, so it says, in Virginia, a killing involving a number of circumstances can fall under the charge of capital murder. Um, so this is murder that is, capital murder is classified as willful, deliberate, and premeditated killing of a person under specific circumstances. So some of the circumstances include... Um, the person acting as a hired killer, the person hiring a killer, mm. um, the accused was a prisoner or a ward of the state. The murder was committed while abducting someone um, or to get any kind of benefit from a victim. And the list kind of goes on and on. Here's another one. Mm-hmm. Murder happened during the commission of or attempted commission of an act of terrorism. Okay. Okay, I get it now. So okay. that's that's probably why they hit him with the capital murder thing. Yeah. All right, let's move on to motives. This is my favorite part. Okay. Um, I don't know how much you know about what they're assuming murders. Pretty much nothing about their motives. I just thought that they were crazy as hell. Okay, <laughs> let's get into it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So unfortunately, John and Lee's motive for all of this isn't clear, but there were a few theories. Here they are. Some of the theories were linked to terrorism. 
and one prosecutor said John was actually targeting his ex-wife, Mildred, who he felt was keeping him away from his children. Yes, John was a father. So why not just kill Mildred? That's exactly what I said. But if you look at how this started in Washington State, they went and popped old girl at the aunt uncle's house. Mm-hmm. And John was known to um, linger and be around places that Mildred was. Okay. I'm also thinking, like, maybe it was some fatal fatal attraction. He was still in love with her, but hated her. Yeah. So he didn't want to take it that far, but he wanted to send her some warnings. But they lingered in that area for a little bit. They were in Washington State. Remember, they lived there. That's where Lee got his first AR-15. Mm-hmm. And then they oh. went to Arizona. So they were going to places they were familiar with in the beginning before they were like, fuck it. They need we to, to the nation's capital. Too. Well, him. Robbery. They got, they, yeah, they got robbery charges too. I just, okay, I didn't yeah. mention, sorry, I didn't mention that because they were less. Mm-hmm. It than, wasn't the murders. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Another motive based on Lee's erratic jailhouse letters said that he could have been powered by his faith. We already touched on that. Mm-hmm. He would often scribble images of Osama bin Laden in scriptures. This man thought he was in the Taliban, baby. But also, at one point, they also mentioned that he was scribbling a lot about the matrix the movie the movie series the matrix i'm like okay <laughs> you lost me with that one you you lost me with that one okay but the most interesting motive to me was one that lee mentioned in court when he testified against john remember that random 10 million dollar ransom request that they had in that four-page letter yeah they found in the woods yep Lee testified that they carried out the killings so they could eventually kidnap children and extort them for money from the government. They would then use this money to set up a camp to train kids to terrorize cities across the country and, quote, shut things down, end quote. So they were trying to make their own, like, little version of of an American Taliban, essentially. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Okay. (laughs) But get this. Y'all wasn't killing kids. Y'all wasn't killing kids. Or trying to kidnap kids. At all. And I'm like, I feel like y'all popped Iran and then y'all was like, oh, fuck. Let's go back to killing the adults. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like that was what, too close for comfort? Because I'm like, that was, the, that was also the only school that they pulled up to. They didn't pull up on any college campus, campuses or anything of that nature. Yeah. They pulled up on that one school and targeted Iran. That was it. So I'm like, if y'all was going to kidnap kids, like. Y'all was killing adults in Michael's parking lots, bro. Like, what are you talking about? And liquor stores. And liquor stores. I'm like, what was y'all? I want to know, were were they drinking? I didn't see that in the court documents. Like, was y'all stealing the liquor? Like, what was y'all up in there getting? Also, if y'all needed some snacks, nigga, go to McDonald's. It also could be, that also could fall into the line with their faith as well. Because, you know, they're not supposed to be drinking Mm. and things of that nature. So that might have been like an impure thing. That they wanted to maybe get rid of. So maybe that was one of their target spots for a reason. I don't know. Just spitballing random ideas. Mm, Interesting. All right. We're going to get into some updates and we're going to continue to talk through theories. I feel like after I update you on what's been happening in court, which I know we touched on a little bit, which, um, spoiler alert, we chose this case because of recent court, Lee's recent court proceedings. Okay. In March 2005, the U.S. Supreme Court banned the death penalty punishment for minors. So even though Lee was tried as an adult in some of his cases, 
death penalty was officially off the table for him. Remember John Gaeta, the man Lee shot after he slashed his tire? Well, Lee sent him a letter apologizing in March 2010. And Iran, the little boy they shot, Mm -hmm. he testified at John's trial. And I'm like, I know that's right. I looked that man in his face like, yeah, yeah, fuck, I'm still here. All right, but here's where shit gets more twisted. In July 2012, the Supreme Court ruled that sentencing a juvenile to life without possibility of parole violates the Eighth Amendment. Of course, Lee's attorneys began petitioning courts to vacate his life sentences after this point. But before we go forward, I'm going to share two very important Supreme Court cases with y'all. That 2012 case, it was called Miller versus Alabama, in which the court held that mandatory sentences of life without the possibility of parole are unconstitutional for juvenile offenders. Montgomery versus Louisiana. This is a Supreme Court case from 2016, in which the court held that its previous ruling in Miller versus Alabama, that mandatory life sentence without parole should not apply to persons convicted of murder as juveniles, should be applied retroactively. Meaning, basically, the Supreme Court was like, yeah, we're standing on what we said in 2012. And by the way, this can apply retroactively. Because, you know, sometimes when Mm. laws are passed, it's passed from that point on. You can't take it back. They were like, no, y'all can work this one backwards as well. So in March 2019, the Supreme Court agrees to hear Lee's case, which challenges his life sentences. In October of that year, the high court hears arguments to determine if Lee's life without parole sentences should be vacated due to the 2012 and 2016 cases. Now, you would think there would be a lot more buzz about this specifically, but the case was actually dropped at Lee's request. Why? That's because a law in Virginia was passed that creates the possibility of parole for juvenile offenders serving sentences of 20 years to life. So basically, he goes, I don't want to wait on the Supreme Court to decide what's going on in my case. Virginia mm-hmm. just passed that law for me. So I might be able to get out. Yeah. Exactly. So Lee's attorneys saw a resentencing in Virginia and they won. Remember, Lee was serving four life sentences in Virginia and six life sentences in Maryland. Technically, Lee will be up for parole now in Virginia in October 2022, since he's been behind bars since October 2002. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't clear him from his crimes in Maryland, though, right? We're getting there. So where is Lee today? As of February, his attorneys were still diligently working on helping him get resentences in Maryland. His public defender told ABC News this, we'd be seeking something along the lines of six concurrent life sentences to Virginia. And what that would mean is that Malva would be eligible for parole in Maryland. So why does this matter? I know everyone's listening is probably a little confused, especially if you're not familiar with the court system, because I'm going to break it down. So because technically... Lee would have to serve his Virginia census before serving his Maryland census. So mm-hmm. it, even if he got out on parole in October of this year, his ass might as well go ahead, walk across that border. Yep. <laughs> Take your ass to Maryland because, it's concurrent, right? yeah. yeah, well, not yet. So that's what they're trying to get. He would have to go to Maryland to start serving his six life sentences there. They're not concurrent right now. I also did not know that that was a thing. I just assumed you got a life sentence. It, it, you're serving it during your life. All of them, no matter how many you got. Now I see why prosecutors go so hard to give people multiple life sentences, excuse me, serial killers, multiple life sentences. Okay. With the test of time, that's, you know, literally not possible. Like he's not going to be able to serve his sentences in Virginia if he has, if he had to, if he wasn't doing them concurrently already. 
So if Lee is able to serve these life sentences concurrently, though, he will be eligible for parole in Maryland because he has served 15 years on his sentences. So they're trying to push for him to serve his life sentences in Maryland right now while he's already serving his life sentences in In Virginia. Virginia. And remember that law can be applied retroactively. He's already been in jail for 20 years. So he could potentially be up for parole in Maryland as well, meaning he can get out of jail altogether. But here's what Carrie Williams at the Maryland Attorney General's office said. Mr. Malville's six consecutive life life without parole sentences are not illegal because they do not violate the Eighth Amendment or Article 25 of the Maryland Declaration of Rights. Basically, Carrie said, I'm not trying to hear what the fuck. I ain't trying to hear none of what y'all talking about. Yeah, his ass needs to stay in there. So when he's done with Virginia, tell his ass to come on over here. Mm -hmm. We got him. Like, she's not playing with the bullshit. A Maryland court heard arguments on February 8th of this year. The court is expected to have a decision by June, though it has until August 31st to make a decision. Lee is 37 years old now, by the way, and his public defender said he's made so many life changes. He's a different man today than who he was 20 years ago when he did this. So what we're looking at, too long, didn't listen, or might be confused. If the court decides that, okay, he can serve these life sentences concurrently, he'll be up for parole in Maryland. And he's already up for parole in Virginia. Meaning by by Thanksgiving. He could be free. Yeah, he could be free. Eating turkey and homemade macaroni and cheese at somebody's house. They need to extradite him back to Jamaica then. <laughs> if that's what they're going to do, just go ahead and send him home. <laughs> you said, you said, actually, I ain't trying to see him. Also, I would love to know what happened with that. So he was out on bond when he fled it, from Florida. He was in Miami, remember, him and his mama. He was out on bond when he fled and, and found John and went to Washington State. I'm confused. Like, I understand his crimes happened here and, and now he's in jail. I'm, I'm confused why there hasn't been a process to send his ass back home in this past two decades. Mm-hmm. Like, do it not work like that? He not from here. Put him, take him. T- yeah, but I'm assuming the a crime, not the a crimes. The crimes are so egregious. They're probably like, no, nah, you stay your ass here so you can serve that. And then after that. Because he, he honestly, he already committed a crime before he started committing these bigger crimes. Like, yeah, they should have sent him home off rip before he could even find his way to Washington. Exactly. Why did y'all even let I'm confused why y'all let him out on bond. So when they let him out on bond, I, you also like he was awaiting court. But I'm like, you already knew he was an illegal citizen. Mm-hmm. Like what? What was the t- statue to let him out to begin with? I'll be trying to take it to the motherfucking to the to the core of how this shit even happened. Because if his ass wasn't out on bond, he wouldn't have fled to Washington Washington State. He wouldn't yeah. have reconnected with John. As you see, John went on was seems like John was cre- was going over there to create a life. And where is uh, Irma? I think it's Una. It's not fucking like what 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 what? Come on now. Were you talking about where his mama? Yeah. I don't hear from sister again. Honestly, I'd have been hiding too. Like, <laughs> you don't have to worry about me. You don't have to worry about me. <laughs> I don't know who that man is. Like, I didn't raise him. I also would love to know if she had a relationship with John. I also, I also read in some news reports that Lee later um, told authorities and a psychologist that he was being sexually assaulted by John. There's like, when I say there's a lot wow. to unpack in this case. There's so much to unpack. I I literally was like, I, I cannot put this in there because I'm already talking about so many other things. Like my script is 20,000 pages, but there's so many moving parts. And 
after John converted um, Lee to Islam, I want to know like what what type of acceptance was Lee seeking from John to carry out these murders? I think also though, like also realizing like the connection with like the Taliban and Osama bin Laden and all that kind of stuff. And like, think about how crazy you have to be in order to spare your own life, to drive a plane, to run into a building and kill thousands of people. You're right. How crazy and brainwashed do you have to be to do that? Like, what? To sacrifice your life for something else? Like, at this point, Lee had to be ready to die because he was that brainwashed by whatever John was feeding him, fooling him, whatever. And, like, even though he was 17, in a year away from being a technical, air quote, adult, he was still very much so a boy. Like, mm-hmm. our brains don't fully develop, I think, until we're, like, 25. Mm-hmm. So... I'm not saying that I feel bad for him, but he was very much so brainwashed by this man mm-hmm. who he looked to as, you know, probably a father figure. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and a mentor. Now, if he was sexually assaulting this young man, he's dead wrong. I mean, he was dead wrong for everything I'm else. I'm going to say John. John. But this, yeah, this this is crazy. I'm going to need to find Sister Mildred because what you, like, mm-hmm. I, even if... Mildred was John's true motivation for for doing this. Like, what motivated him to take it to the nation's capital? Like, that's what makes me think that um, some of the motive has to rely on, like, has to be terror, terrorist and yep. politically driven because you could have went anywhere and y'all did go anywhere. <laughs> like, but y'all made a clear dead set path to the DMV. And y'all didn't just come to the DMV. Y'all hit Clinton, Maryland, left, went back to the South, and then came back to the DMV. Yeah. Like, that's not, like, what Like what was it? I don't know. Girl. Are you looking at pictures of Lee? Lee got married in 2020? Who did Lee marry? See, look. Look. Stop playing with me. Um, It says he, he married some wealthy lady, Sable Noel Knapp, 30. Years old. They got married inside the Red Onion State Prison. Red Onion Funky. It says, Knapp is the granddaughter of a wealthy Iowa real estate developer. She is also an outspoken activist who has donated hundreds of thousands of dollars to left-wing causes. Okay. Um, I'm looking her up, too. Well, she, she looks strung out. She looked just as scary as him. We got a wife, y'all. At this point, I'm 28. I'm single. I'm beautiful. I'm successful. If this motherfucker can get married. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) What's the, like, what's tea? Like, something's not adding up. And she, she the one for sure paying for his legal team. Gotta be. Oh, for sure. For his attorneys to be this gung-ho. And he has a public defender, but I'm pretty sure he has other attorneys that are working on his case to to push it forward in Maryland. Neither here nor there, y'all. Um, we are going to wrap it up here. Uh, I, by now, I hope you guys are on the internet. Um, going, going bonkers looking up this case and all of the moving parts 
that come with it. Um, again, this is a, a more wider known case. I specifically wanted to talk about it because of what's going on in court with Lee right now and the possibility of him getting released. And if he gets released, y'all, like, he's young still. He's only 37. We can be walking past this man in the grocery store, which I think is terrifying. I will not be here for that. But, <laughs> literally, um, but... <laughs> God bless the DMV if that man get out. Honestly, if I was him, oh, I would petition. They not gonna keep him anywhere around here, baby. I, if I was him, I petition go to on the real quick. I, I would, I would petition to uh to stay. I'd be like, keep me here. <laughs> he would have to go into witness protection real quick. He would definitely get facial reconstruction, get a whole new face. He would have to. I also read that um, by 2003, his mom was already um extradited back to Jamaica yeah she didn't get when he got on got on a bond sorry if I didn't make that clear she did not which I thought was very interesting because how do you release her her 17 year old kid and not her yeah that don't make no sense not at all but okay we're really wrapping up this time um thank you for listening hopefully you learned something new about the DC sniper attacks today if you've if you're already widely familiar with this case um and we appreciate you Thank you so much. Until next time.